just had a cup of soup. Yeah? Yeah, a cup of minestrone. Oh! Minestrone soup. Mm-hmm. The classy cup soup flavour. Here's the thing I was just thinking, though. Mm. As I was, like, finishing off my cup of soup, right? Like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. 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 Finishing off the dregs with a spoon. Yeah. I thought to myself, it's just soup. Yeah. I still need a spoon. Do you? I mean, do you? You could just put it to your lips and drink it. Drink it like a drink. I know the idea is to drink the soup. Like a broth. Yeah. But if I just drink the soup, mm-hmm. there's so, like, little noodly bits and little bits of desiccated carrot. Like, that's not coming out without the help of cutlery. Mm-hmm. So I'm here scraping out the dregs thinking, you know what? This is just soup. And since I've already got the spoon to begin with, I will just eat it. Like soup, and it, and and because it's just soup, right? If I'm using a spoon with a cup of soup, right? Right. Is that eating it or drinking it? Because if you if you drink it out of a cup, you're drinking the cup of soup, right? Right. Yeah. But if I'm using a spoon, it's the same soup. Right, but the process, it's about the process. It's the method. The method is different. The method. You are drinking soup versus eating soup. We're talking about the method. Right. right. You know, it's the, the use of the, the spoon as a tool implement transforms it from drinking to eating. Right. Now, you could, I guess, conceivably drink off the spoon. Oh, man. Oh, this is complicated. I suppose you could. Like, if you, if you just put the spoon in your mouth... Right, 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 and, right. And remove using your lips often as a sort of um, um, scraper, almost. Mm, just uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, in the traditional fashion, you're eating soup, right? Right, yeah. right. If you get the soup on the spoon, then pull out a small straw <laughs> and suck it from the spoon. Are you at that point drinking it? I think you are, yeah. Right. Because now the spoon has become the vessel for the soup. Right? Here's another question. If I had a cup full of Coke and I was downing that with a spoon, am I then eating Coke? Oh, wow. Like, are you eating a drink? And as you stop calling it a drink, do you say I'm having a cup of food? And now now we have to ask ourselves, <laughs> are all drinks just soup? Right? Uh, um... Usually I'd chime in on these conversations we start the episode with, but you've broken me very effectively today. I think we're we're staring down the barrel of an existential crisis, my friends. I mean, I'm already there. Right? My plan was to just briefly mention minestrone cuppa soup. Right. And then talk about the sad farts I've been having. Mm. I mean, from what I hear... Sad, sad farts are a bit of a commonality today here on the show. They're a bit of a commonality in the UK, I learned. Oh? I think what's happened is I've... Yeah. I think if, I think I've found the right one, right? Helicobacter pylori. Pillory, right? Right. Basically, not to put too fine a point on it, right? But Phoenix and I have been doing a lot of farts. Uh, okay. Happens to the best of us. Past week and a half, past two weeks, right? Mighty ones. Mighty ones, long ones, ones with funny hats, um, just a, like more than the huge. Yeah. Both of us. And we've got fairly divergent diets. You know, Fee's vegan mm. and I'm not. You know, I'm gobbling up sausage rolls. They're having like the one thing that Sainsbury's will allow them at the meal deal because there are no vegan options. 
But we are farting. Yeah, what's the commonality? What's going on there that both of you haven't? Well, Phoenix was looking it up, and there is this bacteria that 40% of people in the UK have. Oh. So I th- and apparently it can be um, transmitted with, like, kissing. So I think... You've got the fart bacteria. I think I've picked up the UK's fart bacteria. And huh. it makes you fart, and it makes you depressed. Oh, no. This explains so much about Britain. Right? We're a nation of sad farters. Or at least nearly half of you are. Right? And I feel truly reintegrated back into the <laughs> homeland now that I'm a sad farter as well. Oh. Thank you. It's one of them things you can't tell the difference with the sadness because myself and everyone I know is fucking depresso. Yeah. But the bacteria is clearly making it not as good. Apparently what it does is it like... I, I think the farts are a result of it suppressing things in your guts that would break the food up faster. Right. So the food stays around so the bacteria can have it longer because I guess it doesn't want to rush. Yeah. Yeah. So... You know, that's that. And, and I wonder, I guess there's probably not some treatment for the bacteria that wouldn't, like, totally fuck up your other gut biome stuff, or... Yakult. 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 Is that what Yakult is? You want good bacteria. Is that what that's for? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, Yakult or other, like, a similar sort of, you know, milky fucking good bacteria-filled drink. I had my first Yakult today in an attempt to fight the sad fart. <laughs> I never had it before. I remember when it was new in the UK and there were these really um, patronising adverts on TV. Yeah. It's full of friendly bacteria. Friendly bacteria. Oh. Oh. Um, yeah, so I've had it. It's not bad. It's like if a yoghurt could come. <laughs> That's your yakko. It's pretty good. I got stared at today. Yeah? Yeah, I've, been, I've had two. So- Any one of these would have made one... Podquisition preamble. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I'm going to rattle this off quick because I know we've got a lot to get to. But I was stared at in Sainsbury's today. Stared oh. at in the Sainsbury's, the Steph Sterling story. And it wasn't good staring. It's a lot of S's. Right? Right? I've been, I'm often on my guard ever since coming out. You know, I've been on my guard because sure. you hear horror stories yeah. and you worry, and I'm a naturally paranoid person. Um, I've got the kind of anxiety and trauma background that tells me everyone's always looking at me and judging me and talking about me and can hear me through the walls. But every now and then you're looked at in a way where you're like, Oh wait, no, that's what staring is. That's what it is. And, and up North so far, everyone's been nice to me. Like fine. Yeah. That's something that you, I remember you were talking on your stream. I think it was yes. earlier this week. Um, your stream at twitch.tv slash Jim Sterling. Yeah. Oh, twitch.tv slash Jim Sterling. That's, that, that's, that's where, that's where that is. Yeah. Right. You can watch me hilariously stream Elden Ring. But yeah, I was kind of heartened to hear yeah. uh, you, you comment on how, you know. Generally it's good. The old lady at the pharmacy is like, well, I think people should call themselves whatever they want. Yeah. So, you know, happy with, even remembered yesterday I was there, she said, Stephanie, right? And I'm like, yeah. Aww. Also my Tesco club card, right? Yeah. I got a card at the supermarket, right? Uh, for discounts. And it says on the card, Mooks Stephanie Sterling. Good going Tesco. I was so happy. Well, you know, I mean, if they're going to ruthlessly pillage your purchases for data to mine, to sell to other people and target advertisement to you, the very least they can do is give you that respect. That's it. If if they want to exploit my identity, Mm -hmm. at least they acknowledge it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I've noticed that there was a, a, 
I bought one of my fugglers, right, from a toy store in the UK, and they had mooks on a drop down. So it's just nice to see it in this country, yeah. especially where non-binary people are so, you know, struggling to get recognised in this country. So that was good. But anyway, yes, yeah, stared at by these people. And I tell you what, right, when they left that Sainsbury's, they went to their car. Do you know where that car was? In a parent with child parking space. Did they have kids? Did they fuck? Oh. So staring at me with what was clearly sort of like a what's that stare. Yeah. And they they were nicking kids' parking spaces. So anyway, one more quickly. I was also stared at at the co-op, which is another shop. Um, you know the the little co-op, Laura, around here? Yeah, yeah, another little co-op. Yeah, went yeah. to the little co-op person at the checkout was just staring at me and I was like, okay, what is this? And I went through my usual thing. Oh my God, is my hair wrong? Is he, you know, again, staring at me because I'm trans and he's doing the what's that stare? Is yeah. is it because I walked in talking fairly loudly to Phoenix about cum? <laughs> um, it could be any one of these. I mean, that'd be my, my first guess, but who knows? Well, apparently, according to me, I talk really loudly even when I'm trying to talk quiet, but I think I talk quiet. It's true. I'm pretty sure I talk quiet. Yeah. And I I do not choose to look further into it. But yeah, no, he was a fan of mine. Oh, um, was a fan like since the escapist days, and it was like he, he very quietly did the entire transaction, like scanned all the stuff, we bagged up the stuff, and then right at the end, just uh, said he was a fan since the escapist days. And so you know, no big deal. Just Podquisition oh. is now hosted by local co-op celebrity Stephanie Sterling. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. Stared at at the Sainsbury's though. Let's fo- let's stop the nice positive stuff. Fuck the club card. Fuck the co-op. <laughs> I was stared at by two people that look like they shouldn't. Fee said they look like uh, crypto investors, but the ones that have like the ground floor suckers who have only just started doing it and throwing a couple of quid in. Oh, fucking oh. pricks. Anyway, <laughs> Laura. Hi, I'm here. I. Don't have the best memory, right? But I'm, I think that I think you usually want to talk about something on this podcast. I mean, yeah, like if if it's okay, yeah. video games are a thing that I quite enjoy when really? we talk about on this show. Yeah, video games. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's what I, they're called. I think. Oh well, I mean, you've always struck me as a bit of a you know computer. Like, you know, good on your computers. Bit of a whiz kid, you know, Ah. on the information superhighway. I don't know where to start this week. I've played a bunch of things. You know what? If I may make a suggestion. Yeah. If, you know, you don't have to take the words of local co op celebrity Steph Sterling to heart. But um, I would say let's start with the biggie. Let's start with the the Steam Deck, if, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can start there. I I don't have one. Sorry, carry on. I have maybe the least to say about this because I've only had it a couple of hours and I'm still very much coming to terms with it. But right. uh, yeah. Coming to terms with it. <laughs> I didn't realise it was that bad. No, no, no. It is, it is a case of like trying to understand exactly what position this fills in right. gaming right. as a thing. So. Yeah. Um, I'll start with the the physical build of the device. Not as heavy as I expected it to be, but it's a chunky friend. This is not a quick chuck it in a pocket thing by any stretch of the imagination. I will say it's nice that it comes with a hard shell case, because I don't know where you would find a hard shell case the right size for this otherwise. Well, some third party would make it if it was big enough a success, but yeah. 
but that'd be the the waiting game, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? Um, so one thing I want to make really clear is that it's incredibly obvious that this thing has hit the ground running with basically zero time between finishing manufacturing and being in people's hands. Uh oh. And the biggest sign I can give you to that is when I booted it up for the first time, it went, "Hey, so just a heads up." Yours is one of the very first ones that came off of the uh, uh, conveyor belt. As such, we're going to have to update the BIOS. Oh, and that, when that <laughs> update is happening, you're going to see some weird looking text sideways on your screen. Don't worry, the rest of your updates won't look like that. This one just came off the production line before we'd finished Jesus. the final BIOS. You know, uh, no, I... W- Damn. Talk about efficient... Maybe just they're trying to send it to real customers before the fucking... Yeah. Crypto creeps learn some way to mine from the fucking thing. Uh, and, like, it hasn't been a bad experience setting it up. But it's unusual for a consumer product to have to undergo that kind of technical update out of the box, yeah. Yeah. So with with that out of the way, um, things I really like about this thing's build. I like the uh, the D-pad feels really nice. It's got a good level of, uh, of push to the buttons. Uh, the analog sticks are both very responsive. I... If either of you did, either of you use the Steam controller when that was a thing with the the touch pads? I tried. I tried. Yeah. Did you not get on with it? I kind of didn't. No, it was just too unusual for me personally. So they're here as an optional option. If the game you're playing already supports um, controller support, no need at all. But it's basically there to be. Are you trying to play a game with no controller support that really needs a mouse? Here is your mouse alternative, and. I'm getting on with it pretty well. The clicking motion is something I'm having to get used to. The clicking down on the thing that is your touchpad and not clicking somewhere else while doing uh, the touchpad takes a little learning. Uh, um, it's 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 quickly like becoming okay, but like it it's it's a little bit of mental gymnastics for a second. Yeah, booting it up into its like default Steam operating system, it is a really nice quick user-friendly process. It is basically Steam Big Picture mode um, with some some tweaks to make it a little more uh, user-friendly. It's set up software-wise right now so that you have all of your game's library and a separate tab for the ones that we have checked definitely work perfectly on Steam Deck. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, and you can boot other stuff regardless. It just gives you a little warning going, we don't know if this is going to work or not, question mark, we'll find out. Yeah. And here's the thing, most of the big games I would want to try so far have been loading perfectly well on this. It is a surprisingly beefy handheld. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of just like weird games that will crash at weird moments and it's unclear why. I was going through testing random things. I tried Saints Row Get Out of Hell won't get to the main menu screen without crashing. Okay. Unclear why. And again, like I, I bring this up because this is not a console. This is very clearly a PC. Yeah. It is a portable form factor PC and there are going to be little technical things that will keep reminding you this is a PC. You can go- boot into a Linux desktop mode, for example. Yeah. Like, there's a there's a lot of things about this that are... You are using a PC, and you've got s- huge yeah. amounts of customization options. Can I play Pornog on it? What's Pornog? Yes, you can play Pornog on it. 
because you could use the browser in this in the Steam. Does it have a headphone jack? It has a headphone Perfect. socket, and you can open a web browser for porn on it. Perfect. The the way I would describe the slightly finicky nature of this thing is. Uh, you know how, like, PCs, they're great. You can run whatever you want on them. You can run stuff that, like, you can run stuff on this that isn't Steam particular software. That's fine. You can do all sorts of customization. But everything's a little more complicated because of that. You know how you would press the start button to get the settings, me- like, the menu up? Yeah. This thing has three different buttons for three different kinds of menu. Whoa, that's too many menu. That's too many menus. And all of the menus are very useful and they're all very distinct things. But I'm like so far having to already find myself going. Okay, which, which menu? Which menu do I do that with again? Yeah, yeah, that's overwhelming. Like, like someone like me, I get very overwhelmed easily by options and things. Yeah. to remember and things being in different spaces. Mm. And it is very clearly a very powerful, beefy bit of tech. Yeah. that expects you to be okay with it being a PC. I must say, from early testing, this thing is an absolute fucking powerhouse in terms of emulation. I've been messing around a little bit with emulators, and uh, I can already get this thing running upscaled resolution GameCube games at perfect frame rate. Nice! Oh, by the way, this is just a little reminder to our listeners. Thieve, in my name. Yeah. Carry on. Uh, I've yet I've yet to test it, but I've been told that uh, Switch emulators run Switch games at sixty frames a second perfectly on it. Ooh. Like it, it is a real. It, if you want to be a beefy uh, emulation machine, this sure seems to be one. Yeah, and like the stuff that is labeled as you know works great with the Steam Deck. Works great. Like I booted up. Uh, what was it? I booted up that really impressed me. It was um the PC port of Horizon Zero Dawn. That runs really well, and that's a nice. taxing game that PCs struggle with. Like this, it feels like having a portable, like Xbox One, PS4 level system, and that is really nice. Yeah, but but on the other side of it, um, you get things like okay, I went to desktop mode, but I can't work out how to get an on-screen keyboard to actually use desktop mode. Oh, I have to go to the the app store and download a keyboard because there's no on-screen keyboard functionality inherently there, and why is my uh, USB-C to HDMI adapter not displaying? You have to be okay with it being a PC. And I'll have more to say about this once I've had a bit more time to actually sit with the thing, but it feels like the best vision of a piece of hardware Valve has had. This is the first time I've played a Valve, like, I've used a Valve piece of hardware and gone, yeah, you actually have a thing here, and this could and should be something. Yeah. But they they are very clearly like they have pushed it out and they're gonna they'll get they'll get it fixed later and they're banking on the fact that people who are okay with this being a PC will be okay with it being a bit finicky at first. Yeah. That's gonna be interesting. Like Yeah. Like how many PC users versus people who like portable consoles are gonna get it. Like I'm I'm approaching this as someone who wants, who loves portable gaming. Like, handheld gaming is my thing. Yeah. This is the device for me, in that there are certain games that are only on PC, or that I would want to play at a better resolution or frame rate than the Switch offers, or just aren't offered on Switch. Just aren't offered on a portable. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to sit at a PC to play this. I just want to have it in my hands, because that's my preferred form factor. And I'm willing to have a little bit of finickiness to get that. Okay. 
I will say the you like everything if you're staying just within your Steam library and just with downloading your Steam games and playing them here and they're all games that support basically all support controllers anyway, this approaches the experience of buying a console. Okay. It's when you venture out of those bounds slightly that it reminds you it's a PC. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Um, I think I think that's all I really have to say about it right now. Yeah. I haven't I haven't had enough time with it. Yeah, if I give you twenty quid, can I have it? Oh yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Oh, brilliant. I'll I'll wire it to you. <laughs> no, I ordered one. Are you, are you waiting to get the email that says you can have it? I've got no confirmation as to like when it might be available like that all i know is i've got the deposit down on it and that's it yeah my my understanding is when they have one ready off of the conveyor belt that you can have they'll send you an email and go you ready right because i haven't even paid for the full thing yet like yeah so so i was very lucky in that i the first day that like it could happen i got an email and it was like hey you've got one ready you've got three days to pay for it if you still want to buy one yeah and we will, once you've paid for it, we'll send it out to you. Cool. And most people haven't had that email yet. Yeah. I don't know how I did. I somehow really lucked out on being at the very first minute of, of yeah. availability. Yeah, I tried so hard. Like, I was there immediately, but by the time the page loaded, I was yeah. too late to be in the first wave. I, I know people who booked with uh, who ordered one within the first 30 seconds who don't have their emails yet. Yeah. i got to wait till the second half of the year for the fucking play date. I want a play date so bad. I'm so excited for the play date. Yeah. Uh, oh, well. This thing emulates games so good. Um, what have you both been playing? Do you, would you like to go, Conrad? Sure, all right. I, uh, I've been playing more Pokemans. Yeah? Yeah? Oh, you were streaming it the other night. I was, I was streaming yeah. it, uh, yeah, and uh, streaming it at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. Great channel. It, oh, oh, I, so I just got into space-time distortions. Ah, uh, yes. And I just did my first one, and I did it on the stream, and I caught an Alpha Steelix that I love so much. I'm so happy. Your absolutely huge metal friend. Yes, he is enormous. Oh, and then I caught that Gyarados that, you know, flies around in a circle. Oh, yeah. And, uh, (laughs) and, you know, like, my problem wasn't... It never escaped. Like, my first wing ball that I actually hit it with, it went right in. I was shocked. Yeah. Uh, that was amazing. It, you know, it took like a, a dozen to hit it, but I got it. Um, and I finally got that Alpha Snorlax, who would not fucking stay in the ball. Mm. Yeah. I think Snorlax is the first Alpha I ever caught. He wiped my team. Big this, boy. This is the one that's sort of uh, in the first zone yeah. as you're sort of heading. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but um, I'm still having a, a, a great time with it. Yeah, it's just a damn good game. I'm so glad that I like Pokemon again. Yeah. In the short term. I'm so happy that people are enjoying Pokemon again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's it's nice. Yeah, I like yeah. it. I like it when Pokemon's enjoyable. Yeah. What have you been playing, Steph? Me? Uh, well... I suppose the biggie is, and I know uh, Laura's been playing it as well. I think you tried yeah. it as well a bit, Conrad. Hmm? Is Elden Ring, of course. Oh, that thing, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, From Software's latest game, uh, Elden Ring. It's Dark Souls 
basically yes yep. uh, dark souls but with an open world more of an open world format i fucking love it i fucking love it it is really good yeah what i i think what i admire most about it is just how nothing was compromised in the shift to open world mm. this is not a game that took open worlds as an excuse to copy and paste the same bandit camp over and over again mm-hmm. like so many games that shifted to open world Everything seems as carefully considered and carefully placed as any previous From game. Mm. Enemies are not just thrown in randomly. There are, like, one of the first areas has a camp, but it's set up like a little warband camp, and it's, there's nothing else quite like it in the game. There's another, like, camp area like Rom, but it's like a different... It's got a different look and feel to it, with different enemies populating it, and you approach it differently. Um, all the architecture and, and, and very well-crafted map design is there. You might call this like a handcrafted open world. Yes, yes, very much. It's 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 got all, all the open world exploration and whatnot that you'd expect from such a... a from a game of this size but yeah handcrafted is it they they cared about what they were placing and where uh, as a result it it feels so much more engrossing to explore than almost any major open world game i've been playing like i really like uh, horizon forbidden west yeah but compared to this it's like this this has completely knocked that off of my yeah. playlist i'm like cannot give a shit about that right now it's hard to go back i played it i went back and played a little bit more of of forbidden west but i'm like you know what no this is so shallow in terms of its environmental design and it's so just here is some enemies thrown here and here's a bunch of enemy camps and it's like no So, so many more just big open empty spaces that don't really feel like they're doing anything but padding things apart from each other and like yeah and the thing is, this I, this doesn't feel like... Well, I, I'll put it a different way. I'm not sure exactly how big the open world is. But what I've explored so far is nowhere near as big as many, you know, mainstream game open worlds. Um, I've not explored much of it. Like, not even half the map yet. But the, for the surface level that I've covered, for the square foot that I've covered, I've discovered more surprising things than in any fully explored AAA open world map. It is very much an open world of density rather than scope necessarily. Yeah. But without feeling packed. It doesn't feel overly packed. It's just perfectly dense. It has really nailed having an open world that feels full of things to do and see, but not spread out unnecessarily, but not also just yes. thing, thing, thing. Also, there's colours colors. that aren't grey mm-hmm. and brown and dark purple. Yeah, we were talking about that uh, yesterday. Yeah, like it's, as I said in the Jim Pressions video, like it's not, all the other games by design, you know, admittedly, by design are like lifeless husks where you're picking through the history of something. Like things happened. And you're there in the the dead and dying aftermath. This world is lived in. This world feels like, you know, it's got sheep and they roll around like fucking Sonic. That's not to say it's not like an overwhelmingly bleak, no, it's bleak. world, but it's 
but it's bleak in a way that's like it's it's a world that is in the process of dying rather than has already died and you're arriving then there's life and from that is like more of a sense of hope like yeah there's stuff to fight for here there's little rabbit things with big long ears that skitter about they're worth saving the world for um yeah it's brilliant like last night i was streaming it because i found this game really just I've been finding it hard to stop playing it when I start streaming it, which is weird because I normally go like two hours on a stream and I'm like too tired. Yeah. Um, but now it's like four hours streaming till long past midnight and I'm like, I'm going to keep playing it actually. Yeah. But yeah, I I went back to the opening area to do a little extra exploration. I was like, I probably won't find too much here. Then it dawned on me that I'd walked in one direction. Yeah. And there was a whole field behind me. And in this opening area, I then just discovered some enemies I hadn't seen anywhere else, just hanging out in the corner of the map, just these weird little goblin things. And then further along there in another field was the goblin things fighting the soldiers just having a little war and i'm like this is i could have there's nothing story wise like in that direction it's just like a bit of fields like by the coast and i'm like mm. i could have gone the entire game and not wanted oh, this way yeah also can i just say there's so many really nice little quality of life changes that have made me have a much better time with this such as Having a checkpoint before the boss optionally every time. Oh, yes. That is nice. Thank you. Yes. So you don't have to do a boss run if you don't want to. You can just get right back into the boss. Like, fast travel is really nice for for backtracking. But, like, on top of all these things, I really like that if I'm getting stuck against a particular wall, Um, in, in previous From Software games, if I got to a boss and I was struggling to beat it, it just wasn't happening... I'd f- I would have to turn around and walk backwards down a very linear path by- on foot until I got to a different place to go branch to. And that feels like failure. That feels like I'm having to trudge back having not done this. Yes. This has done a much better job of, I'm struggling to get past this wall. Okay, I'm just going to turn right and start exploring over there. Just do something else for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It it doesn't feel like you have to do the trudge of failure that you it's... might otherwise have to do. And that's made me a lot more willing to just change my plan and go over there. And there's a lot of stuff that's just more user-friendly, um, yeah. uh, more simple to pull off. Like, something simple like back attacks. Like, doing attacks yes. from the back, easier to do now, don't require as much perfect precision like placement. Um, which is good, because obviously stealth is a lot yeah. more legitimate and, and encouraged in this game. Things like the um, being able to do a counter-attack from blocking instead of having to parry. Like, they're still parrying, and it's still very useful, and I still can't fucking do it. Um, But, you know, the shields, there are some really good effective shields, even from the very beginning of the game. Like, I went with the Confessor, and I'm still using the starting shield. Like, it's perfect for physical blocking. Um, So, yeah, like, I can just tank a hit and then counter-attack and it feels great the jump attack is really good yeah and and this isn't to say that this game is perfect in terms of onboarding people oh, it of is course. still a game with big um ramps in difficulty there's 
some real obtuseness about not telling you where to get certain items that you can totally miss that are very important. Yeah, like I picked up the ability to like do um like summoning NPCs and didn't know how or where to get the thing that did it. Like there's still some bits where I'm like, I'm just gonna quickly look this up. Yeah. Um and things like the tutorial, you can go in the settings and go, yes, I'd like a tutorial, please. And then the tutorial is entirely missable. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I completed the tutorial after I'd already gone out in the world and done a whole bunch of shit. And I'm like, oh yeah, there was that little hole back there. Let's go down and see what that is. And then it was a tutorial. I missed that hole because I didn't know that full damage was reduced. So I wasn't going to go jump down a hole for no reason. And I missed the prompt on the floor that said like, oh yeah, go down there. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the, the dev message one. Because I, I'd gotten to that point I sometimes do at the start of a, of a Souls game. Where all every single message on the floor is a player going finger butt hole, <laughs> and I stop clicking on them for a, for a little bit. <laughs> I never get sick of it. I never get sick of finger butt hole. Look, now you can have maiden finger butt hole. Mm. Um, <laughs> I just happened to miss that one prompt, and I did the same. I missed the tutorial entirely. But yeah, like I love the summoning, by the way. Mm, Not the yeah. online multiplayer, which I still enjoy. Like I. I'll talk about that as well, but the the what's it called the ashes or whatever like um the summoning in your Pokemon yeah it's basically like a a yeah like a, a medieval Pokemon like you can collect different monsters like they're the monsters that you fight in the game and you can summon your own little ghostly versions of them for a temporary uh, amount of time I would like to summon my ghost tentacle <laughs> I would like you to be able to summon those like anywhere in the game. It's kind of annoying there are certain spots where it's restricted, and I didn't understand why that was for a while. Yeah, I, I get what they're trying to do, but I also was frustrated by it. Like, if I could just, like, build it up to where, like, I could just be like, like Pyromancy, where it's like, there's not exactly... St- it's more items you have and the spells you have rather than, like, stats or a class. If I could just build myself into a little summoner, like, I'd love that, sort of this summoner sort of subclass in the game. That'd be great, because I, I love that kind of thing in general. I like, you know, my characters in Aberrant, um, the, the old pen and paper mm. superhero RPG was always things that could summon things. Um, but anyway, uh, I really like that. I've got a pair of skeletons that I summon whenever I remember. Whenever the ADHD is like, oh yeah, there's that thing you can do. Remember that. I've got a few going now. I've got my jellyfish. Oh, I've yeah. got uh, I've I've got my little pack of dogs. Mm-hmm. I've got my pair of skeletons. Yeah, it's great. Oh, this game's really good. I've got a nobleman that like shoots fire. Uh, that shoots little magic bolts. Um, I haven't played with all of them yet because I found the skeletons and I'm like, these ones are good because when they get killed, they get back up. It's this is the first game in like the month or so since Pokemon came out that's made me go, yeah, I can put Pokemon down for a bit. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm thinking about it constantly, Elden Ring. I, I just I can't stop thinking about it. Um, I'm in an area right now that is very Dark Souls. Mm. Um, I got past the first main story boss, and there's like this big castle that is just set up like a Dark Souls map. Like the open world stuff is like they're like, okay, that's outside. You're in here with us now, and it's just as well designed and considered with its shortcuts and everything as anything in the previous From games. Mm. I was thinking about this a lot when I was thinking about what I hope we get from something like Breath of the Wild 2, in that this feels like it does a really good job of that, here's your big open world exploration, 
now here is your sort of enclosed linear dungeon environment and making the two feel mesh together well. Mm-hmm. And I really hope we see more of that. Because, yeah. yeah, this is exceptional display of how to do it. I like the mini dungeons as well. They they feel similar to the um the little modular dungeons in Bloodborne. Um but they're small and they're you know, they're not modular or random in any way. But just these tiny little dungeons that are littered around the map off the beaten path with their own boss that again you could completely miss but have neat stuff inside. There is a boss, the watchdog it's called. It's just brilliant. This weird cat-like statue thing that moves like like a creepy animatronic, and it's just such a conceptually and in term. Rare have I looked at a game and just been like that animation is perfect, um, but that animation is perfect. Um, so yeah, that's good. I like the online. Um, they've made that easier. It's still not proper drop in, drop out, but I like the flexibility of. Mm. You know, I I especially like that as someone who I like to be summoned, I like helping people with bosses and things. I like that I can either go to a particular boss area that I want to fight and put down a summon sign like usual. Yeah. But I also like that there is another option to just randomly be assigned to a boss. Like any nearby summoning areas for different bosses, it's like I can just throw that out there and I can get called to fight like an optional boss or, or any number of the main story bosses that I within a, um, a certain location still like it's I'm not going to be fighting the end game boss while I'm in the beginning area but this sense of being able to fight random bosses because you know yeah. it, it opens up your ability to be summoned it's like I don't have to be in this one location at this one time and hope enough people are fighting this boss at the same time it's yeah, it, it, I love the co-op. I, I spent the entire stream yesterday, more or less, just being summoned to different boss fights. So that's really good. I like that when you do, when you summon for co-op, it's an item that can be very easily crafted that you burn rather than, you know, doing things like the unhollowing or, or you know, stuff that's prohibitive. Uh, I like that. I like the crafting. I've not dicked around with it too much, but I like the idea that things like firebombs and, and things that enhance your stats temporarily, I never used them very much in Souls games because everything felt a bit too precious to use. Whereas here, you can just make stuff. I know someone was talking to me about um, how much they liked it because they were struggling with a boss and decided to go craft a bunch of stuff to bring in and yeah it really helped them um so yeah i'm gonna mess around with crafting more i like that just you can you're encouraged to use more stuff you've got items and stealth and different attacks and all these weapon skills that you can mix and match yes I, i you don't have to potentially ruin a weapon by taking it down the wrong path yeah, you can. Oh, you want the storm ruler thing? You put that on your cool katana, right? You want a different weapon? Just swap it back over. I I like that they're not consumed. Um, I like that you can sort of hot swap them really quickly and easily. Um, I really like that your magic meter is also your special attack meter if you're not a magic user, and that you can balance how many of your your flasks are to do with magic. I think that's something they took from Dark Souls Three. 
Was it in... Did, did they do that in 3? I think it was... I think the FP, like, for different skills and magic... I think it... I could be wrong. I think it was Dark Souls 3. There's a couple of elements of this game that I feel they took from Dark Souls 3, like, good stuff. I mean, entirely possible. Yeah, it could be... Yeah, I think so. Um, but it, I like that it's here. Uh, there was a number of quality of life improvements in Dark Souls 3 that's that's here, so I really appreciate that. I like that I can change weapon types, like I can have a finesse or or, or a like a a holy weapon or whatever. Like, and again, if I don't like it, I can just take it off. <sighs> I can just take it off, and it's fine. Um, I really, really like that. In fact, the only yeah. issue I've got right now is as a confessor, um, which is basically their version of a cleric. I get the healing magic, which is what I got into it for, but a lot of pyromancy type stuff is tied to it as well. Plus weapon skills, plus summoning. I'm at a point where like there's too much I I want. Like I I I am spoiled for choice, and I have not often felt that way about these games. There's always been plenty of choice, but it's always been a case of I find what works, what I like, and I stick to it religiously. Whereas here, it's like, I want this and this and this and this. It's One thing I would say to people who are curious to try this out, I, I've heard a lot of people saying that if you pick a class that starts with access to magic, because of the ability to skew a bunch of your um, recovery potions to being magic recovery, there are so many things to use magic on here that it can be a very strong place to start. Yeah. Starting with a little bit of magic can be very powerful in this one. Yeah, I've been going with, like, one magic replenishing flask, but I'm getting to the point where I'm like, you know what, I might swap some of the healing flasks over um, because I could use a little more, you know. I've got myself a nice katana now, I'm happy with that, but I'm, I've, I spend a lot of my time just flinging fireballs. Like, it's... God, this game is so good. Oh, I sorry to interrupt. I have great news. I'm playing around with the Steam Deck. Train Simulator works on the Steam Deck and it runs really nicely. There we go. It's over, folks. Hell yeah. There we go. I can do train journeys on the on the train journey on the train. Oh, hell yeah. Trainception. Trainception. Sorry, I, I know Elden Ring's a very good video game. <laughs> it's one of the best games I've played in a very long time. Yeah, but you can't play a train on the train. I can now have handheld train simulator. This is the... This is the best thing I've ever owned. <laughs> um, that's wondrous. I'm glad it works because I know uh, you. I, yeah. I know you. You do like a train. I do. Ah, uh, I I had some thoughts of some content plans I wanted to make with this when it arrived. Assuming Train Simulator worked on it, and that game's such a broken mess, I wasn't convinced it would happen. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Oh, yay. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Elden Ring. I am just really happy with it. Like, just really happy with it. I, yes, it is the most accessible. Some might argue the most easy. I think that's a good thing. I think it's so much more welcoming, while still being plenty challenging. the The bosses are, 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 I think, are as challenging as ever. The optional like side bosses in the little dungeons, not so much. They seem fairly easy. A lot of them, but you know, once you you know, have a wake-up call when you meet the first main sort of story boss. It's like, oh, there's plenty of, of challenge. But what this game does is it gives you multiple ways to meet that challenge. You have a sense of option. Um, and some of that option might be, like you said earlier, it's, it's like, you know what? I'm going to put this 
boss fight on the shelf. I'm going to walk away, do some other stuff. Um, I'll come back stronger inevitably by the end of it with more experience under my belt. Mm. Or it could be, okay, what I'm doing isn't working here. Let's craft some items and see if that helps. Let's get some summons, see if that helps, either, you know, online or, or some of my monsters. Um, and then there are some of the bosses out there in the open world where it could be a case of, okay, on foot isn't doing anything. What if I got on the horse? Because there's a horse in this game and it's cool. That horse is really good. And the horse is good. Early game, I found some big slow giants and they were worth a bunch of uh, souls oh those bastards so i just i ran i ran up on a horse slashed their legs ran away on the horse just kept getting them they were too slow to get me because i was on a horse it was great perfect uh yeah the horse is really good and yeah it's just there's so so much more choice compared to the other games that when something's a challenge it's more of a puzzle of Okay, can we try a different approach? Yeah. Uh, whereas the other games sort of encourage you more to find the one thing you can do that works for you and stick to it because it's restrictive otherwise. You can't experiment with... You can't strengthen a whole bunch of weapons. There's just not the resources. Whereas here it's like, I can put this here, mix this here, match this there. I think that's about all I can say about it um, that I haven't said here or on the gym Impressions. It's just really good. I am so glad that it is so good. And I I have absolutely no disagreement about anything said. <laughs> I yeah. played it for I have this is a it's interesting. Elden Ring is, it might be the very first game that I have spent more time watching people play it than playing it myself. Mm. I have put in about an hour and a half into Elden Ring and uh, deleted it. (laughs) Oh, no. And it's not because it's bad. It's excellent from everything I can see, you know, and I can can make that judgment on the basis of watching other people interact with it and seeing what it's doing. And I have absolutely no bone to pick with any of the positive things said here. I think it's 100% true. I think if you want to play this kind of game, God's sake, go get it, because it does look amazing. To me, it feels like work. That's fair. Perfectly valid. Right. I, I was like, shall I? Shall we go the Hades route with this? And it's like, N- no, you know what? Yeah. To certain types of player, I can totally see how this is a chore. This is more a labor than enjoyment. And there's a cost-benefit analysis that goes into it. Like, there might be other chores, (laughs) you know, that I would experience, but see something coming on the other side of it or have some investment in it. But the fantasy setting, just for me personally, is not a thing that I'm attracted to. I knew already that I wasn't going to make it far in the opening title sequence where it's introducing all of the characters and it's very ponderous and slow and i'm like okay (laughs) really because that was when i was sold the moment i heard someone say the loathsome dung eater the loathsome dung eater is the high point of that sequence for sure high point of the game is i don't know if you fully understand it's the loathsome dung eater yeah. it's just a sad man that eats shit and you've got to go murder him go murder the sad shit eating man conceptually it's it's great but 
yeah, I'm just, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not interested in doing the kind of work to get what I know I'm going to get out of this. And that's fine. Um, I think it, it, the game looks amazing. Um, I agree 100% on the improving the color palette and adding a bit of vibrancy into their environments and introducing open spaces, I think is really cool. Mm. Uh, there is so much going on. Um, somebody, when I was streaming yesterday, I think it was, uh, yeah, I think it was our Homestuck guy, Gumba Master. I'm, I'm pretty oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, Master. yeah. They drew a comparison between Pokemon Legends which is what I was playing, and Elden Ring. And I thought to myself, actually, yeah, you're right. There is uh, not that, not nearly as much separating these two games as might be considered at the surface. And I want to keep playing Pokemon because it has a setting that appeals to me. It has characters that appeal to me. And so, yeah. I have had that same thought, and my takeaway was, I'm very excited to play this because I have gotten over the hurdle of, like, very quickly touching on Legends Arceus, I've been playing a bit of it, uh, there was an update that added in a new type of mass outbreak in the post-game, which I've been really enjoying, but, like, I realised I'm like, I've reached the point with this where I will dip in and out of it when I have time. It doesn't need to be the one thing I exclusively play to the degree I have the several hundred hours this this month. And I was like, I'm looking for something else that's going to scratch that itch to get stuck into. And Elden Ring is scratching a very similar thing, mm -hmm. very similar mm -hmm. itch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can absolutely see it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, th I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that everyone's so happy with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's top quality, mate. Yeah. So yeah, anyone played anything else? I played more of that RoboQuest. Oh, um, yeah. I, I've, I've cleared the content that they have in the uh, in the early access. I really dig it. It is a lot of fun. Now I uh, I've moved on to playing the Engineer class, which comes with drones. And you can get up to four of those spawning, and they'll do a lot of the damage for you. Um, and that's fun. I've got a couple of weapons that I really seek out, builds that I pursue. And uh, I, I like the way it opens out and how the resource that you acquire to unlock your base becomes the currency you use in late game to just build your own gun. You know, or level up your gun so you don't have to go and sacrifice the gun you're happy with for something else simply because it's going to do more damage because it's four levels higher. It's fun. It's fast. Uh, I really don't have a lot more to add. Uh, there's got some great boss fights, actually. One of the things that this game has is it has rails. And it's one of those situations where I looked at it and I thought to myself, well, this is some fucking Bioshock Infinite shit. There is no practical use for these rails. They don't aid in shooting. If anything, they wind up being a hindrance sometimes when you're jumping into combat and you accidentally land on one and all of a sudden you're just gliding somewhere. And then I got to the boss that is a caterpillar on a series of these rails. Okay. And it's so good. I mean, you had me at caterpillar. They're awesome. Yeah. This you're in this big room, it's divided uh, by a wall, and 
you start out on the ground and suspended up above you is a couple of rail loops. Or it's one big rail loop that goes in a couple of passes through the other room or the other half of the room with this caterpillar running along that is the boss. And as you attack the caterpillar or as time passes, I'm not sure which it is, the floor gets replaced with, you know, acid. And the only way to get up to the rails are a series of jump bouncers. And then eventually those disappear and you've only got the ledges to work off of. And you have to ride on this rail and chase this thing or get in front of it and have it follow you and lay shots on it or just come up with some strategy to do. And it's such a fun boss fight. It's really, really enjoyable. It's quick and it makes those rails feel interesting and exciting. Otherwise, fuck them. But I'm glad that they're there in that one instance mm-hmm. like they're delightful uh it's a great boss fight generally speaking i like the boss fights in this again it ties into the uh cohesive robot design approach that's in it and how everything sort of has a logical progression and how it scales up difficulty wise as you progress through the run it's a well thought out game that i'm looking forward to seeing what the other bits of it are who knows how long that'll be if it ever happens but yeah. in the meantime uh, if if you do have uh, Game Pass on PC and you want to just play a fun, fast-paced FPS roguelite, it's real good right now. Oh. Laura, you were going to talk about some games. Yeah, I've got a couple of other things to very quickly rattle through. I played some Gran Turismo 7. Um, that continues to be a series that will never be for me. So Gran Turismo 7, very sim-heavy racer. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who is curious about, like, whether that's a thing they could ever get into, this is how I would describe this series, and particularly the seventh entry. It has a huge divide between what it considers its easy mode and what it considers its actual experience, in that if you are not ready to go right in the deep end with all of the technical, ridiculous, specific nonsense, the energy the game has as it goes... No, 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 you know, you're not good enough for that. I'll do it for you in a really condescending feeling way. Oh, lovely. What it will do is it will just take, it will just not have you do fundamental parts of the game. Their version of an easy difficulty is, oh, we'll do the steering and the braking for you. You just, you just worry about the, the accelerator uh, button. We'll-, <laughs> we'll let you, we'll let you push the pedals. <laughs> Yeah, we'll let you... No, not even both the pedals. We'll let you push the go pedal, not the stop pedal. And you've got very little in the way of, like, other options before it goes, okay, do you know how to, like, pick which kind of car, uh, which kind of individual material and tread depth on your car? No? Get out of here. It... I'm sure it's a great game for people that know what they're doing, but it is terrifying and it makes no attempt to be in any way welcoming. Wonderful. Uh, and honestly, I think that's the main That's the main thing. Has anyone got anything else they've played or should we get on with the news? Because we've we got, we got a fair bit of it. We do, so I won't be too long, but I think it's time we took a little trip to Stephanie's <gasps> Vita Corner. How's how's Vita doing? Um, So, I actually played a PSP game on my PS Vita this week. One that I don't... 
I don't do are I do either of you remember the game? And it won't surprise me if if no one listening does. A game called Undead Knights. No. 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 This is this was a weird one. It came out very late in the PSP's lifespan. I think it came out around the time the PSP Go did, because I remember playing it as one of the first games I played on the PSP Go. So it's I forget who made made it now, but it's. Imagine if a very, 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 very scaled down Dynasty Warriors was also a very, very, very scaled down Pikmin. Oh, okay. And then you're almost there. I'd say in it, it's probably fairer to compare it to Overlord instead of Pikmin. Sure. You know, although Overlord itself is, of course, you know, took a lot from it. But basically, you know, it's a hack and slash game where you run around very small maps as one of several characters um, with very simple hack and slash attacks. Uh, A combo system that's actually like identical to the simplified one in Dynasty Warriors. But what you can do is if you get an enemy down low with to low enough health to where they flash red, you can pick them up by the neck and turn them into a zombie. I mean, you can do that even before then. It just takes longer to turn them into one. Um, and then you can send them to like pull down buildings or, or swarm an enemy and stuff like that. And that's it. Hmm. That's the game. Really simple, fun, but in that way that a game is shit. <laughs> it's 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 fun shit uh is undead knights ludicrous in terms of its overall sort of um premise very repetitive very quickly but i have a sort of fondness for it it's just very simple hack and slash distraction um i wouldn't recommend people rush out it's not a hidden gem or anything but it's a fun little curiosity that not many people remember so yeah that that was the other thing that's taken up my time is playing undead knights uh fun but shit and that was stephanie's theater corner right right there we go did i did I go to the bathroom and miss you talking about Infernax? Uh, no. Okay, good. But I was like, you know what, I'll maybe hold off till I play more of it. Basically, I've got as far in- into it. I've played Infernax. Okay, because yeah, I want I, I want it mentioned every opportunity oh, possible. Okay. <laughs> well, then I played Infernax. It's very good from what I've played. I currently am at the bit where I've beaten the first, like, boss like it ran off and then i finished it off in that place mm-hmm. got the usual sort of very retro you've got to explore the world and collect five things to open up the final door i don't know where to go from there and i'm hoping it's not the bit with the spike platforms that go up and down because i can't get past it no you passed uh the place you need to go to get to the event where you kill the boss okay uh, so it's the save point Okay. right before that. Right. Yeah. Okay, I'll go back and have a look. My memory is, you know, my memory of things disappears behind me like a falling bridge right. in a platform game. So I often l- lose track of where I've been in games. So I've probably just missed it half a dozen times. But I, I will tell you that that uh, spiky jumpy bit is the place you go next after this. Is there anything that helps with jumps? Because I don't know how to time the jump from the first platform to the second one. It doesn't look like there's enough space. Uh, you have to be most, uh, I think, about halfway through the game to get access to the place where you could input a cheat to give yourself additional jump capability. Okay. Um, you will get an up jump, but unfortunately you get it where uh, you're headed. 
Jesus. Okay. Well, I guess I'll just have to hope for the best then. Um, but I do like it. The music I just absolutely fucking love. That main music. The da 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 Like, I love that tune. It gets stuck in my head so easily. I, I like the choices that you get, those, um, you know, the, the moral choices. I love the art that accompanies them. Yes. Uh, the pixel art there is so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I like the just the almost dissonant level of violence compared to the games it's emulating. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just just enough of a, an upgrade to violence where it's shocking. It's not graphic, it's just shocking in its very appearance. I mentioned the uh, cheats. Um, there is a cheat code that dramatically increases the amount of gore. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> it's so like, like everything you hit just explodes in just red. Wonderful. It's not visually actually better. It's just a lot more red springing forth. Hmm. <laughs> See, I'm hoping to get some more time with that. Um, so maybe I'll be able to talk about it ne- more next week. And that is that. All right. Stephanie's Infernax Corner. There we go. Yes, we'll just talk weekly about oh. Infernax for months. <laughs> oh. So, in television's having a bad week. Yeah? Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I don't think we've talked about this much on this show. A while ago, Intellivision did a crowdfunding campaign for a new console called the Amico, uh, that was going to be a low-spec console with a family focus. Oh, sounds great. I want it. I want I want two. Yeah, uh, there was some big name recognition attached to that. Our, yeah, our old friend yeah. Tommy Tallarico. Oh, aren't there things about him? <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. So th- this was announced back in 2018. And it was gonna launch in October of 2020, which you might notice is in the past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's been delayed and it's been delayed, and the writing's been on the wall that things are going bad for a while, but like the biggest possible red flags have just happened. So recently there was an SEC filing that highlighted that Intellivision has significant debt, has made no revenue since its inception and may not be able to operate beyond July without additional funds, despite having not yet delivered the consoles people paid for. Huh. Hmm. So that was, a ba- that was a bad start. That's not even the worst bit of it. So they're in some need of some money, and Intellivision started to do a, f- a round of fundraising. They were trying to ra- They were going to raise $5 million in capital to, you know, get the funds they need to keep going and finish this. However... Just $58,000 into that round of investors, so they decided to end the investment seeking early. Crowdfunding tale as old as time. And it sure seems like, hmm, hmm, are you just trying to grab a little extra money before you, before you explode to pay off some of your debts? Because... Yeah. Uh-oh. Cancelling raising capital when you're massively in debt... I, I mean... Doesn't seem like a good sign for your console. I feel bad for the people, for the 6,000 people or, or however yeah. that, that bought into this. Because I, having seen some of the promotional materials that they put together for this device, I just... I never saw it. I never understood what... 
like why why there was an expectation from anybody involved that this would be a huge success they they were targeting a market that i don't think exists in that they were targeting people who remember in television games from growing up right but are not just looking to play the old in television games that want to play new games with their family and trust the Intellivision brand and no other brand to be their family-friendly, cheap, affordable family gaming system. Sure, and and you know if you think about it now, okay, if you're going to be somebody who remembers Intellivision and had experience with it, then you are going to be someone who is well, probably my age, right? Hmm. Okay, so I'm forty-one years old. Uh, I, I, so you're gonna, that's, that, I don't want to say that that's the floor of people who are going to be interested in it, but, so let's just say for the record it's 35, right? Take it down to people who are 35 to, say, 50, that's your target audience now, so now you're thinking about families. That's really what this, and that's how they structured this, they tried to make something that seemed unbelievably family-friendly, but I think what you're getting at to a certain extent, is that you have to be a person of this age who then, when the video game crash of 83 happened, yeah, lost all interest or awareness of video games for the following 30 years, or 40 years. And very specifically, who didn't, like, didn't get their fill of this about a decade ago when the Wii was a thing, going, oh yeah, this looks like the new family-friendly thing for my family. Right. Because, yes, this feels like a step back from the Wii. Yeah. A big one. Yeah. So it's just, it, it was it, mind-boggling to me that they managed to get their message out broad enough to a certain extent. It's, it's kind of shocking that they sold 6,000 of them to me. Mm. Um, that they managed to reach that market to such a degree that they could sell that unit, this market that already seems to be so incredibly small. Like, obviously, there's going to be some people who pick it up as a curiosity. Mm. And, yeah, that might account for some. But it's just, it's amazing to me that they were as successful as they were. Yes. Uh, Other stories we got this week. NVIDIA has been completely compromised by a cyber attack. Now, this is another one of those cases where a lot of, like, personal information of developers has ended up being part of this malicious attack. And as such, like, you know, that's really fucking shitty that also said it has led to a lot of interesting people picking through stuff that looks like it's going to be the next couple of years of nvidia's plans we saw this with capcom a while back where like everything they were planning to release for the next couple of years leaked at once there's some interesting things being found in there so far like most notably and i think most headlines i've seen around this have been about the fact that it sure seems basically confirmed at this point that there is a Switch revision coming in the imminent future with uh, DLSS upscaling and new hardware because of stuff that was on NVIDIA's servers that is very clearly them making the software ready for new Nintendo hardware. It's going to be a while before it's known exactly what comes out of this, but this is one of those stories where there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of stories coming out of it of, oh, we now know this is coming, this got leaked, and that's going to be nestled in with a bunch of people who's like, oh, staff whose home addresses got leaked. It's always a bit of a fucking mess when that happens. It's one of those stories that's going to, it's going to, 
be a little bit before we find out exactly where that one goes. Yeah. Other news, Valve would happily help Microsoft put Game Pass on Steam. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, in an interview with PC Gamer, Gabe Newell was asked about, you know, hey, would Valve ever consider having an equivalent to something like Game Pass, particularly now you've got this hardware, the Steam Deck, would you consider like a subscription service where people would get access to games? And Newell's response was, I don't think that that's something we need to do ourselves, building a subscription service. I agree. 100%. I agree. Their Steam sales are like almost mimetic. Well, and not only do they not need to do... Can you imagine the amount of shit they'd take on? Yeah. As a result of having to offer that service? Fuck yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah, the, the follow-up sentence was, uh, for Microsoft's customers, it's clearly a popular option, and we'd be more than happy to work with them to get that on Steam. That's cool. It's interesting. But yeah, like, Steam offering their own makes no sense. Like, Steam sales are events. They're not just sales. Other platforms don't have that. Steam would not want to get, like, get rid of or belittle or demean that in any way yeah um so that makes sense and as conrad says the logistics side of it would just be a fucking nightmare i am fully in favor of game pass yeah i would like to see stuff like that you know i want to see better versions of that even yeah it just makes sense for them to not do it yeah and i think that there is a very strong argument to be made for um right now microsoft is offering games on game pass that, like, uh, a good example of this, Deep Rock Galactic. If you're playing it on Game Pass on PC, you know, through, via Microsoft's, like, uh, ex their game service or on Xbox, you can play with each other. You can't cross-play with the Steam people because that's a different version of the game with a different internet infrastructure and, like, yeah, d d d unify all of that. Let people boot it. Yeah. Make it all one thing. Let people do everything everywhere. Okay. Now, counterpoint. Yeah. But then you're not in Microsoft's walled garden app. Well, see, that's 100% why this won't happen. I'm not, I'm not convinced. I am actually not convinced because that was, you know, obviously my first thought is like, oh, this will never happen because of that. Yeah. But Microsoft is also currently trying to acquire Activision Blizzard. Yeah. And if you wanted to demonstrate, if you truly wanted to demonstrate that you weren't trying to operate a monopoly... You'd give access to your crown jewel subscription service for gaming to another platform. That's actually a really good point. I would, uh, mm. I'd be fascinated to see if they they do it, if they take that route. Microsoft's been really good at that, at this whole performance of we're not doing a monopoly promise. Yeah, and I mean, the, the <laughs> they are very good at that, but they also are good at noticing, like, hey. Maybe we don't have to ha pick a fight with blank. Yep. Because it's not necessarily direct competition and it could save us some work and increase who has access to what we're selling. Yeah, they've been very, I don't want to say non-aggressive, but in terms of, I mean, how they could be. Well, yeah, they've been aggressive. They're acquiring Activision Blizzard. Yeah. They're aggressive as fuck, but. But not combative, let's say. Like, yeah. they really are sort of, let's work together, and if we accidentally buy you along the way, who's to say that's an issue? It's in the sense of, like, um, them putting some of their indie indie titles or smaller um, performance titles on Switch. Mm -hmm. Being like, yeah, you're not directly competing. 
why would we wall this off from a new place people can buy it? Yeah. And I mean, it it seems good for sales. They ain't silly. Yeah. They're frighteningly unsilly. Frighteningly unsilly. The biggest news that I was very excited about this week, they announced new Pokemon for the end of this year, and it's a proper big open world, and it, not like the Monster Hunter Zone style, it seems like it's going to be one big open world. No, two big open worlds, because they're selling two games, so they're going to be very separate games, right? If you sell a game and sell another one, they're going to be very different, surely? They wouldn't sell the same game twice at once, would they? You You jumped ahead of me there, and I was going to say... Everything about this looks exactly what I was hoping a follow-up to Legends Arceus in a mainline title was going to be, with the exception of the fact they're going back to two skews, they're doing Scarlet and Violet. Wait a minute, wait a minute, huh? They're, they're so, it's the same game that they're doing twice. Yes, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, Laura, have you taken an E? Like, surely they're not doing that. That would be so weird. That would be like some sort of con. They're doing that. What? But they only sold one Pokemon Legends Arceus. They only sold one. Why would they sell two of the same game? This is strange. I cannot tell you why. I was... Yeah. Because it's a successful con. Yeah. Yeah, sarcasm like aside, it's expected, but... You know, things that you fully expect still can be, you know, just disappointing. If it's alright for me to pivot back to the things that I'm kind of positive about with it, if that's alright. Yeah. I am willing to put up with that little bit of a scam, because fuck it, we see it for what it is. It's not great, but it is. I'm happy to see that they don't seem to... that The Legends Arceus mechanics of big open world, um, overworld visible Pokemon, like, this whole format doesn't seem to just be for a spin-off. And I'm very happy to see that it seems like this was a technical test to move on to what will be the big next game. And I'm very curious to see whether the in-depth Pokedex completion elements remain. I hope so, but I don't know how you justify that narratively in a modern day setting. Maybe just don't bother and just put it in there anyway and go, ah, fuck it. Just be like, yeah, just do it. Just, yeah. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. Um, No one had moved here until last week. (laughs) Go. And like, yeah, it's two versions of the game again, but I am excited to see that. It, it, It seems like big, open, sprawling. There's a duck. Yeah, there's a duck. It's called Quaxley. It's apparently earnest and tidy. It's just a tidy little blue duck. Just a, a duck that likes to be, yeah, neat. Yeah. It's all right, isn't it? Just neat and tidy. And that that duck is going to get me to finally not just pick the fire type starter as I do every single time because it's just a happy little duck. That's funny because I never pick fire types. But out of these three, I'm going fire type. You're going for the apple crocodile. Yeah, the duck <laughs> The duck doesn't interest me too much personally. Ducks just aren't my thing and it I I don't like personally the style of the duck and the weed cat as people have been calling it. Like <laughs> they just don't speak to me, but I like the cute little crocodile thing. So I've seen a lot of people saying that this is the first game in a long time where they're going for a different Uh, elemental type of starter to usual Mm -hmm. and i feel like they've rotated some element of design that they usually do for each type they're like ah we'll do that on that one this time i don't know what they've done but a lot of people have rotated what they're going for yeah yeah i was surprised to hear that that's coming late this year genuinely did not expect 
that that soon. Yes, quick. Hooray, more more Pokemon. I really like Legends Arceus. Let's hope as much of that as possible is the format of the next one. It sure seems like that's the case, but time will tell. And now we get to the bit at the end where we got to talk about about sad stuff happening in the world slashing games, because occasionally we got to do that. There's a couple of stories we'll get out of the way now about the current situation in Ukraine. Being very quick about about this, Russia is currently invading Ukraine under false pretenses and trying to invade and take over that country. It is a terrible thing. Uh, we won't go too into it here, but we will talk a little bit about some of the responses that the game industry has had, because it, it seems important to highlight. Ubisoft, for all that we have valid criticisms of them, they have been doing a good job of supporting their staff in the Ukraine during this situation. Um, they are offering additional funds, um, alternate housing, advanced salaries, basically doing what they can to go... Don't worry, we will get you somewhere safe to be, and you do not have to think about money, and we will just sort you out because this is more important right now. And that feels like it is the least that a developer could do, but it's still good to see it. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I, I don't want to say I'm surprised that they are being good and doing like doing the bare minimum, but I'm glad... The bare minimum would be to stop moving all the sex abuses around the company. I mean, it it would be indeed. The other thing I will suggest is that uh, there is a there is an article on Eurogamer called "Ukraine Game Developers Speak Out in Face of Russian Invasion" that collects together a lot of Ukrainian game developers' um, sort of statements and where they're at and. I would suggest it's worth going and having a look at and just going and following those developers and showing them some support because it is a rough time and it is a good resource for some developers that could maybe use some support right now. We got two other, two other, well, okay, we got three other stories before we finish. Activision Blizzard King is being sued by its shareholders regarding the Microsoft buyout. The short version is that uh, shareholders believe that this sale has happened to procure senior management and executives significant immediate benefits, not to long-term benefit shareholders. And that's probably true. This does seem like executives trying to get a quick cash out. It does. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Oof. Oof. Yeah, on top of that, and we've had this allegation made a couple of times. We had it made by some of the, uh, the, the ABK workers who are currently trying to unionize. Some of the shareholders allege that ABK's statements to the um, the Securities and Exchange Commission were either deceitful or lacked sufficient information and didn't properly give the information that should be given to make it clear whether this is a transaction that should go through. The allegation is that there's a lot of underhanded under the table trying to fudge the numbers to make the sale happen. This is another one of those that's going to take some time to play out, but yeah, shareholders are not happy. They feel like they were basically ambushed with this sale, and this sale is just to line the pockets of people above them, and they're not happy. Well, two shareholders. Yeah, two shareholders aren't happy. Two shareholders. But I will I will say that it is it is nice to see shareholders look at this and realize it is what it is and take action. Yeah. To 
to try and, you know, because yes, you're getting screwed. We're all getting screwed. But yeah, in this arrangement, ultimately, uh, your long-term value will get screwed, probably. While uh, yeah. the people who got you there will run off with the bag. So, good for you. Yeah. We talked the other week about uh, there was a uh, class action gender discrimination lawsuit against PlayStation. Mm-hmm. We won't get into too much depth, but it was basically women not being given opportunities to get promoted, not being paid equally with their male co-workers, basically not being treated properly in the workplace. Sony has responded, and their response... It's one of the most just dismissive-sounding rejections I have heard in a while, and I get legally they have to do that, but... um. <sighs> Here is Sony's statement. Widespread claims of harassment are based solely on unactionable allegations of run-of-the-mill personnel activity. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, these claims of widespread harassment, they're just things we can't do anything about that happen all the time that people did. Hmm. Weird. Like, that's what that sentence sounds like it's saying. Because it sounds to me like then you have a management problem. Yeah, yeah. So the class action lawsuit did a lot of pointing out specific individual cases of discrimination to make the argument that there is a widespread problem. And Sony is trying to say, nope, we don't, nope, nothing, Put dismiss this. Those were all just a lot of one-off things we can't do anything about that happen all the time that individuals did. How many times do you have to have the same incident before you can stop claiming the incidents are fucking isolated? Yeah. Yeah, they're isolated to within the confines of your fucking company. Actually, they're not. These things happen at every other fucking company, but you get the point. They're in... They're happening loads. If they're happening loads, you can't just say it's an individual situation. Yeah. And last one, uh, Conrad chucked this in the chat while we were recording. Yeah. Epic has just bought Bandcamp, apparently. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Bandcamp's been around for 14 years. Uh, it's been a fairly generous platform in terms of its payouts to artists as compared to other places you could sell music. Um, you know, it, it It's a pretty good platform, but it was inevitably, I think, going to be acquired by somebody. Epic is an interesting choice, and it points to them, uh, you know, in their statement on it, Epic is indicating that, you know, they're planning out a full-on sales platform for digital goods. Yeah. Um, you know, they want to expand past games, and they're going to, you know, use Bandcamp as one piece of that uh, development. I... There's a lot of reasons to not feel great about this. I think that um, for a lot of people, Bandcamp represented uh, almost a, a one, of, one of the few remaining bastions of actually independent platforms for sale. Mm. And, and yeah, that's that's deeply unfortunate. And I also am not crazy about Epic expanding into all of these other places simply because of the influence some of its investors may have on what may or may not be made available on those platforms. Yes. So it's uh it's something to watch. I think, but a bit a bit surprising. Uh, just sort of came out of left field here, and uh, you know, 
I can see why Epic wants it, sure. but it's going to be a real... I, I think a lot of people are going to lose the enthusiasm they had for Bandcamp as a platform. Yep, I think that's probably true. Especially since we uh, still don't have a like worthwhile shopping cart experience on fucking yeah, Epic yeah. Game don't, Store. Don't put Bandcamp inside a non-functional store. No, I think they're going to take... Bandcamp's very well functioning store and build around it. And put the games <laughs> on it. <laughs> there are games on Bandcamp now. Yeah. <sighs> well, I, th- I think that's all the newsy bits we got this yeah. week. Did we do it? Yeah, I think we did it. Laura. Me? Oh, f- oh Laura. Laura oh, Kate. Fuck. Oh, yeah. for the love of God. Oh. Jesus oh, Christ. Yeah. Uh, at the end of this show. Some people might be wondering if there's anything else you do. And I believe the answer is loads. Yeah, there is a bunch of stuff I do. Uh, you can find me at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Um, Twitter, Twitch. I stream Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Uh, YouTube. I upload episodes of Access Ability every week. This week's episode is about Gran Turismo 7. It's not a positive episode. Go check it out for some specifics. Oh, no. Uh, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. Other than that, just search Laura K. Buzz, you'll find all the stuff I do. Conrad, what about you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Conrad Zimmerman. You could uh, hang out with me on Twitch four days a week at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda that I make at pinfultruth.com or audiobooks at conradreads.com. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? <gasps> who? James Stephanie Sterling. That was going to be my first, second, maybe third guess. Oh, well, nice. <laughs> patreon.com slash Jimquisition. That's Patreon right there. Um, I also stream on Twitch as well. Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. I usually try and do at least Monday of a... Uh, was it 3 p.m. Eastern? Like uh, 8 p.m. Britain, uh, Britain. I know that. Yeah, that'd be 3 three Eastern, 1 Pacific. Yeah, and I do it at least, I try and do it on Monday, but I do it here and there throughout the week as well. been doing it quite a bit lately with the Olden Rings. And yeah, I believe we've sold out of tickets now for the next North show. Um, <gasps> so that'll be March 26th, where the commander, Commander Sterling, will hopefully, if the booking goes the way it's planned we'll be having their first uk match um and also just the first match i can claim to have as a full-fledged fully trained pro wrestler so yeah that's going to be good uh, there'll be details on how to watch that and catch that after the fact i'm sure and until then we will catch you next week right here yeah uh thanks yep bye bye bye